Welcome to Start, Scale, Sustain, a story-driven podcast for nonprofit leaders and entrepreneurs. I'm your producer, Molly Heacock, and I am joined today by co-founder and CEO of Care for AIDS, Justin Miller. Thanks, Molly. I'm so excited to be here and get this podcast underway. I hope that our listeners can take something from these 10 episodes that will help them in whatever, whatever venture they're looking to start, scale, or sustain, and hopefully they can draw from the past 10 years of successes and failures in the story of Care for AIDS, and, and today we'll get to kick off by talking about some failures um, that people can learn from. Awesome. Well, before we launch into this first episode, Justin, tell us a little bit more about yourself and give, give us some context about Care for AIDS. Well, first of all, most importantly, I am married uh, to my wife, Lindsay, for the past eight years. We have a daughter, Addie, and we're expecting a son in the next couple months. And so family is a very important part of my story. Care for AIDS has been a journey that I've been on for the past 10 years since I was a junior uh, in college. And Care for AIDS was started out of a desire to see families in Kenya specifically strengthened Um, through providing services that people living with HIV AIDS don't typically have access to or they can't afford. They might have access to treatment, but without the counseling, without the job training, without the access to capital, without the discipleship, a lot of these families disintegrate and these parents with HIV are not able to live long and, and thriving lives. And we wanted to try to help strengthen these families and prevent children from becoming orphans. And that's been the work that we've been doing for the past 10 years. And out of that has come this desire to try to help other organizations experience some of the success that we've had the past 10 years. And that has been the catalyst for this site called justintmiller.com, which is a place that we can collect and, and house all of this information that we've gained and lessons learned about how to successfully start, scale, and sustain a nonprofit. And 10 years may not seem like a long time, but in, uh, in my world, uh, that is a, a pretty long track record of success. And we hope there's another 50 years uh, in the future. But we think to have an organization that was started in a college dorm room 10 years ago, Uh, to reach the place it is today, obviously a lot more to learn, a lot more to do, but we think our listeners can, can draw something from that, that will serve them in whatever they're working on. Mm, That's huge. Yeah. 10 years is definitely a fantastic track record. Um, and this podcast is, is brought to you guys by care for AIDS, but you can learn a lot more about Justin and the work of care for AIDS and particularly the content around start scale and sustain at justintmiller.com. So just like Justin said, we're going to be bringing you 10 episodes over the next few weeks, um, all organized around how to start uh, an NGO, how to scale that, and how to sustain the good work um, that your organization is doing. So today, Justin, we are going to kick off the first episode of this podcast by talking all about failure, which I'm super excited about. Um, So before we really get into that, tell me, why did you decide, why did you agree to talk about your failures to launch this whole, this whole thing? Well, before you can even talk about starting an organization, a a founder has to overcome the fear that uh, I believe if you're not experiencing fear, you probably have some other uh, issues that need to be addressed uh, because I think it's a natural response to something that is as challenging or as daunting as starting an organization. And 
and my fear is that many great visions and dreams um, get aborted before they ever even get to a start phase because people don't have the the confidence and the courage to step into that and to actually uh, to take that next step to start an organization. And so today I feel like we need to start with helping our listeners understand that that failure is absolutely a necessary and uh, needed part of this whole entrepreneur journey. And it's not permanent. It's not final. It's definitely not fatal. And you are going to have to uh, walk in that willingness to fail uh, in starting this venture. And I thought if we could address that first and foremost, that could encourage our listeners. And we also want to show through this podcast that we are not a perfect organization. We are still very much on this journey to try to be the best organization that we can, but we are full of our uh, many mistakes and many failures um, that has shaped Care for AIDS. And it has honestly developed in us greater capacity and resilience because we have faced adversity in the past. Definitely. Well, Justin, you have talked in the past about different types of failures. And I know when we think about failure, you usually just think about like all this terrible thing that I did and it happened and we move on. But let's, let's dive a little bit into the different types of failures and what we can learn from each of those failures um, and give us some examples from the early days of Care for AIDS for each. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll bucket these into four big buckets, uh, if you'll allow me. The first one is the failure of just doing nothing. It's the uh, avoidance of whatever that idea or that vision is that you have. If you decide to, to bail on that because of, of fear, uh, that in, in a way is a type of, of failure for not ever beginning that journey. Uh, a few other big buckets I would say. One is there are those preventable failures where you were just careless and you overlook some important things that, that could have been prevented and could have been done differently. Then there's the one that I would call unavoidable failures, which are those situations where you're dealing with really complex issues or systems or processes and just by the nature of how uh, the complexity environment is you're in, it is possible and, and sometimes unavoidable that you will experience some kind of failure there. And then the last one I would say is the intelligent failures. These are the failures that you have designed an environment where you really want to fail because you want to learn and grow from those failures. And I, and I think CareFrades has stories, um, many in all of those buckets, but I think for the point of today, just highlight a couple key stories along that journey. Awesome. Well, let's start with the first one. Has there ever been a time in the history of CareFrades where you were tempted or actually did commit the failure of, of non-action? Well, I would say the story of CareFrades is one that we'll unpack in our next episode. But in the summer of 2007, I ended up in Kenya for what I thought would be a very short project uh, to work on a documentary about this issue of HIV and AIDS. And I never intended to start an organization. That's not why I was there. And while I was there, I met these two incredible Kenyan leaders and pastors who were uh, they had this amazing vision for how they wanted to see the church in Kenya uh, really serve this population that had HIV and AIDS. And I was so compelled by what they wanted to do, and I felt that I needed to be a part of that. But at the time, I was not in a position where I felt like I had much to offer. I was still in college. I had no resources, no experience, uh, really felt very inadequate to do anything to address this issue of HIV and AIDS. It's affecting 40 million people around the world. 
And there was a period there for a few months when I had, I had heard this vision. I had seen what its potential uh, was, and I debated whether or not this was something I was willing to dive into. Was I willing to give my life, uh, or at least the, my, the near future of my life, to this, this work? And there were many times in that journey that I felt like I should have just walked away because there were so many other things in my life, um, including school and personal life and family. And, uh, and there were some, some hard times there where I felt maybe I should not do this. The cost might be too great if I walk down this road, but thankfully I did say yes. And I did start in this journey and, uh, there were more failures to come, but at least I was able to take that step and say, no, we're going to, we're going to pursue this. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite things is the original Carefreed story, which we'll really dive into in the next um, podcast. But part of it ends up in Justin, you just saying yes to these dudes in Kenya who are asking you to send them a certain amount of money each month. And uh, a lot of people would have would have committed that first failure of just saying, nope, <laughs> been there, done that, saw the need, but I'm going on about my life. So uh, it's a fantastic start to the story. It's just avoiding that failure of non-action, which I think is huge. Um, but yeah, like as you got started, Care for AIDS begins, you start sending the money, uh, planning the program. What was one of the first things that you came up against your first big failure as an organization? Well, I would say that the first big failure was what I would classify as this unavoidable failure. We, we felt that our unique calling as an organization was to try to engage the American church into this issue that they had been largely disconnected from. And we came back from that trip to Kenya and we began to tell our story to try to engage local churches. But we were doing this in an environment that was extremely challenging. The economy was tanking. Uh, Churches were having massive layoffs. And we spent a summer approaching church after church, casting this vision and saying, hey, this is what we want to do. Will you join us in this? And every church we approached said, no, thank you, I'll pass. And that that feeling of um, this is a this is an epic failure. We've we've got the wrong vision. We're in the wrong space. We should just abort now and get out of this work. Um, but really what it was was we were we were failing because we had uh, chosen a strategy that was not working in the environment and the context that we were at that time. And we needed to, to regroup and uh, readjust what that strategy was. And that made a huge difference for us. And we didn't feel like we were being untrue to what we wanted to do. Uh, we just knew that trying to partner with churches in that climate was not going to be possible. So I maybe we could have seen that and anticipated that better, but it just required us to, to recognize the failure and, and then and pivot into uh, another strategy. Yeah, I love that, that. The pivoting you hear so many times in startups and whether it's a nonprofit or a, a tech company, that, that unavoidable failure causes that pivot that's usually a game changer and pushes them into like the true vision of, of what they become. So I love, 
I love that example of unavoidable failure. Um, but you also talked about, you know, we've got the failure of non-action. You've got unavoidable failure. Tell me about an avoidable failure that you just kind of, it just happened, could have prevented it, but <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it now. Well, this is actually a couple of years, even down the line from our launch, we had, we had tasted a little bit of, of success. We had seen our program working well in Kenya. We had started to get some momentum in our partnerships in the U.S. And we got a little bit uh, lustful for growth. And there was a period there in our history where we decided that we wanted to expand uh, very dramatically uh, the work that we were doing. And over the course of about two years, we went from operating four locations in Kenya to 14. And in that season, we were exhilarated by the excitement of that growth, but we were also careless in how we were growing. We weren't watching the finances as closely as we should, and we overcommitted ourselves to programs that would end up really straining our financial situation and, and thankfully weathering that storm, but uh, we weren't paying attention to the teams and the systems and the structures that we were putting in place that would allow us to go from four to 14 very effectively. And ultimately reached a point where we had to put a hold on all growth, on all expansion. And that brought in a season of, of a whole new type of challenge, which was a period of kind of stagnation where we said, Hey, we need to go back and fix the things that we've neglected for these, this period of time. And for about 18 months, we did not add staff. We didn't add new programs. And as a leader, that was a really, really challenging time for me because uh, my staff in Africa was looking to me for next, you know, what are the marching orders? Are we going to have funds? Can we start expansion again? And, and the answer was no, we can. And, and I felt as a leader, a huge uh, burden to kind of help try to jumpstart the organization again. But I would say, had I been a little bit more seasoned leader in that time, I would have paid very close attention to some of those indicators that said, Hey, we're going too fast. This level of growth is unhealthy and the wheels are shaking and we need to slow down and, and figure out um, how to grow at a better, a uh, better way. That's so hard. It's so exciting when, yeah, when stuff just takes off, you just want to keep going. But, uh, there were so many lessons that you learned from that, you know, technically avoidable failure, but I think it certainly made care rates better in the long run. So we've talked about the three of the four types of failures. Tell us about that last bucket that you talked about, the, um, the designed failure. Well, when we launched care phrase, uh, as with any responsible organization, we wanted to try to test if what we believed to be true actually was true. And so we designed a pilot project um, that would help uh, test this new model that we designed to see if it would be effective. And I will admit that had we had a little bit more experience and expertise, maybe we would have avoided some of these failures. But at the end of the day, the pilot program was designed in many ways to fail because we wanted to see where there were uh, stress points and, and points that did not work well in the model. And obviously we did not want to provide less than, than the best care possible for the clients we were serving, but we just didn't know how the model would work. And there were some things that we did that uh, were, were really big failures in my mind. One example of that was we were in the work of training our clients to be entrepreneurs. But then we also decided to mix into that the 
uh, funding for their businesses and their projects. And what you realize very quickly is that if you have 80 clients who are going through your training and you are reviewing their concepts and their business plans and you're going to offer funding to a, just a portion of that group, the just the, the dissension that it created among that group of clients was so great that it basically caused a split. Uh, half the clients received some kind of loan from Care for AIDS, which ultimately we weren't able really to collect on because we were not <laughs> equipped to be a, uh, a banking organization. And then half the clients felt like they were uh, robbed of part of the program by not receiving that funding. And so they felt that they didn't get uh, what they were entitled to. And so you look at that and you just say, wow, that was, uh, that one mistake kind of caused the whole program there in that first year to implode. But we learned a ton and when we launched our second program, uh, things went really, really smoothly. And even then we, we still made mistakes in the second one. I feel like we started to hit our stride in our third program. And, uh, even from going three programs to 48 programs today, we have continued to refine uh, what we're doing. And uh, thankfully nothing has been as catastrophic as that first pilot, but we have continued to work to improve our model. <laughs> One of my favorite stories, that's a little bit more of a personal story that I'm going to put you on the spot to share is when you, you personally invested in a client's business. It's just like my favorite care for AIDS failure. It's more my favorite Justin Miller failure. <laughs> I still expect to see a return on that investment one day, but you know, Yes, I have invested a couple times in opportunities in Kenya. One was in a client who I really saw so much potential in, and he really has, his name was Michael, he really has realized so much in his, his businesses, but he was attempting some new business ideas that had not been done a lot in that area, and one of them was a fish farm. And he put together a, a really impressive proposal for me of how he wanted me to invest in his in his company. So uh, just a very small, a uh, couple hundred dollar investment into this this fish farm. And uh, I went about the next year. I went back and I visited Michael to see uh, how my investment was doing, and I found his fish tanks largely empty of fish that would, should have held a few hundred uh, <laughs> fish that he was raising. And I asked him, I said, Michael, what had you know, what what went wrong in the business? And he said, Well. Justin, I ate all the fish. <laughs> and I said, you know, Michael, that's, that's not exactly how this is supposed to work. This is not a, a feeding program for your family, but it is a, uh, a way to, to, to generate an income. And so it, uh, I think he had to, to recalibrate in his, his business. I have not seen, uh, any part of that investment return to me. <laughs> we didn't really clarify the repayment terms of that, but it has been about 10 years. And, and so uh, not sure that's going to come back to me. Not your best investment, but <laughs> no, but one I would make again. And I, I do like that. Uh, Michael has actually become a spokesperson for care for AIDS and has talked about his own personal and spiritual transformation to huge groups of people. And, uh, dozens, if not hundreds of people have, uh, had a spiritual transformation because of hearing Michael's testimony. And so I was happy to invest in the entrepreneur. Maybe the enterprise was not uh, <laughs> that uh, worthy of my investment. That's fantastic. I love that story. And Michael really is. He's such a, an incredible graduate of Care for AIDS. And uh, it just goes to show that even after a failed investment or any type of failure, there's always more to invest in a relationship regardless. And I just I just love that story so much. Um, so we've talked about the four types of failure. So 
if our listeners out there, there's an entrepreneur who's like, okay, what's my bite-sized take home? What do I need to write down my lesson about failure? What would you tell them? Well, first of all, I would say that in the beginning of your organization, that is the time that you are perceiving that the risk of failure is, is high, but the cost is it's pretty low, but the return is also really high. And so in that time, it's a little bit easier to uh, deal with the cost of failure. I would just add that as you grow as an organization, the perceived cost becomes even higher to take risk and the perceived reward um, it becomes lower and it's harder to take the kind of risk that will create the kind of benefit and growth that you would like to see in the organization. And that's something that we've wrestled with over the past 10 years is how do we continue to have a, a culture that promotes not careless risk, but calculated ones so that we can continue to see um, strategic, intentional, intelligent failures as we've continued to grow. I would say to our listeners that in just a few words that, that, that failure is unavoidable, it's necessary, and it does not define you or your venture. Uh, if you take credit when things are going well, um, that means you're also more than likely going to take the blame when things are not going well. And I would just remind our listeners that that your successes and your failures, neither of which should define you uh, in your venture. This is a whole separate conversation about, about where do we find our identity, but it is very destructive for us to start thinking about failure as a reflection on just our competence. Um, there are obviously things that we need to learn from and grow from, but if you uh, internalize that failure um, personally, it can be so destructive for your organization and for you personally. Obviously, you know, organizationally, you need to create a place where failure is uh, celebrated when it's done in an intelligent way and where people don't feel afraid to fail. That is not going to create the kind of culture that you want to build within your organization. And that at the end of the day, this is, this is a experiment that you're running with this organization. And uh, as much as you want to plan and prepare at the end of the day, you have to just start and you have to attempt some things and pilot some things, some prototype some things, and there is going to be failures and that is going to be a, a necessary, um, but not a defining part of, of your venture. I love that. Yeah. Failure is just inherent. And when, whenever we can be open-handed with our successes and our failures, just to realize that every failure brings us closer to that answer. It's to have that experimental attitude, I think is so important. And you do such a good job of instilling that in the care for AIDS culture. Um, there's a, a proverb that you've shared with the staff once. I think it's a, it's a Haitian proverb that I just love. Um, can you share that with our listeners? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned before, failure and adversity are not just limited to those that are starting something. We've faced them every single day at Care for AIDS, even as a 10-year-old organization. But the proverb, and I won't try to attempt it in, in the Haitian <laughs> language, but in, in English, it translates to beyond mountains, there are mountains. And really, as you think about uh, the terrain of Haiti, as you climb it to the top of a mountain, you're looking out and it gives you this amazing view. It's a place that's it's refreshing you get to kind of take in 
the the mountain that you've just climbed and and, and have a moment of of enjoyment as you uh, see the amazing view but it's also showing you a view of the next mountaintop that you have to to conquer and from that mountain point you make your way back down into the valley and there's uh, that's where a lot of uh, struggle and strife happens. And as you make your way back up the next mountain, uh, you, you do get some relief and a moment of, of enjoyment at the top before you head back to conquer the next mountain that's ahead of you. And so it's it's just a part of our, our lives, especially as those of us who've chosen to be entrepreneurs uh, by vocation. And, and I would just encourage you to know that you're not alone in that and it doesn't define you and your venture if it is one that's meant to succeed, you will overcome those failures and you will be better for it uh, as you go forward. Mountains beyond mountains. Mountains beyond mountains. Well, that concludes our first episode of Start, Scale, Sustain. Next week, we're going to dig a little bit more into the Care for AIDS story so our listeners can get a lot of context about those early days and, and what inspired you to, to start Care for AIDS in the first place. In the meantime, I would encourage all of you to go over to justintmiller.com. You can learn a little bit more about Justin, sift through some of our content there. Um, and Justin, how can people find you on social media? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at jmiller09, and you can also find me on Instagram, justinmiller818. Um, there are links to all of those social media profiles on the uh, justintmiller.com website. And I also encourage you to go and check out the work that Care for AIDS is doing at Care for AIDS on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and learn about the work that's going on in Kenya and Tanzania. And I look forward to sharing more about that with you on our episode next week. All right. We'll see you all next week.